This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, committed to assisting businesses impaired by COVID-19. Trustmark is now providing small business loans through the Paycheck Protection Program. More information at trustmark.com slash PPP. Member FDIC. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman in for Kevin Farrell. Here along with Dr. Nancy Lotrich anderson president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder both are f- chartered financial analysts, and Ryder also holds a certificate in investment performance measurement from the CFA Institute. Now, we've made it to April in 2021, and we've got some IRS tax tips to share, um, some April buy and not to buy suggestions, but this is just chit-chat between your calls and emails, so we really want to hear from you and hear what's on your mind. What personal finance questions do you have for our experts? It's an open topic show. Email us your question to money at mpbonline.org. The only stupid question is the one not asked, so don't hold your tongue this morning. Um, Good morning, Nancy. Um, How are you uh, doing today in Ryder. Doing well. Good morning, Java. Glad to have you uh, with us today. Yeah, it's always fun when I get to um, step in uh, for Kevin Farrell uh, this, on these Tuesday mornings. I, I really do learn a lot. I'm not the most financially savvy. I, I keep it pretty simple. Like I say, I get I get my paycheck. I pay my bills. and uh, We are here to help you, Java. <laughs> and, if you and, have any questions during this show, please feel free to ask us. That's what we're here for. And we, and we, and we go from there. Um, but we're finishing up, the, um, uh, I think it's the first full week of April. And um, what, what money news uh, do you have to share with us this morning, Nancy? Well, just this morning, the International Monetary Fund released uh, their forecast for this year, and they increased that forecast for global growth. In January, they said, oh, we're going to grow globally at about 5.5%. They're now saying it's going to be 6%. And, of course, the U.S. is a huge part of that and leading the way as we get vaccines rolled out and people start to then get back to normal and the economy economies are starting to bounce back. So that's good news. Yeah, that is good news. But um, I guess, as always, with this pandemic is so topsy-turvy, you go two steps forward, take a couple steps back. Um, With things opening up and um, uh, there's a new, I guess, fright of another surge, how do you uh, uh, think that would affect um, the, uh, the global finance? Well, certainly that will cause it to uh, be tempered, and that's why we're hoping everyone will still follow some of those guidelines and be cautious. And the more people we get vaccinated who've been exposed, um, we're going to get back to normal faster, and that's our hope that we just keep rolling. But we won't be surprised if we do, as you say, see some step backs. Yeah, that's a, that's always the fear with, you know, the, the times we're living in. Um, Ryder, what, what financial news has um, crossed your path you want to share this morning? 
Yeah, so what's been interesting to me it has been uh, the shape of the yield curve. And we've talked about the yield curve before. Um, it is essentially, you know, they are short-term rates, rates for borrowing on a daily, weekly, monthly basis are different from long-term rates, uh, rates that you might you know, buy a house on a 15- or a 30-year uh, mortgage basis. Typically, long-term uh, interest rates are higher because there's just there's more time, there's more uncertainty uh, going on. And you know, when we started this year, everything was super low across the board. Uh, up to a year, borrowing up to a year uh, for the U.S. Treasury was less than 0.1%. Uh, you stretch out to 10 years, it's 0.9%, still less than a, a percent. Uh, 30 years, it was only 1.66%. Uh, so very, very, very low. Uh, the short-term rates have stayed very, very, very low and actually gone down a little bit. Um, but the long-term, longer-term yields have gone up. The 10-year yield has almost doubled. Uh, the 30-year yield is up about a percent. So what that means is these kind of short-term things, a lot of kind of trade and financing things are done on a short-term basis. Uh, They're floating rates, so those are still cheap. But longer-term investing, companies issuing bonds, folks buying houses, we have seen mortgage rates increase a little. Um, that's getting a little more expensive. Now, now, keep in mind, it is still very, very, very low, both historically and for, for in the past couple of years. Um, but they are starting to creep up. Uh, so it's just going to be interesting to see how uh, where where that goes. Okay. Well, we um, always enjoy those news insights um, because we're actually going to talk a little bit about uh, financial literacy. I don't know if some of those things that uh, Ryder was talking about went over your head. Um, we're um, uh, today. Well, this month, April is Financial Literacy Month along with um, some other national months, Fair Housing Months, um, National Financial Capability Month, uh, National Internship Awareness Month. Now, let me ask, I don't know if you guys know the answer to this question, but is it illegal for interns not to be paid? I thought I saw something way back where the interns were uh, <laughs> getting together to say that they, they needed some kind of compensation. Do y'all know anything about that? Um, I don't, okay. but certainly we pay, we pay our interns. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that's a, I guess you guys are probably on the other side of things because when people hear interns, it's uh, it's like not a freebie, but you're supposed to be learning something, so that's your compensation. <laughs> but it's also. Well, yeah, we want to make sure we get some good folks, and it's a way for a lot of businesses just to take a look at a potential hire. Yeah, so it's National Internship Awareness Month. Like I was saying, it's uh, Money Smart Week, um, April 10th through the 17th. And for all of my uh, caramel popcorn lovers, today, April 6th, is Caramel Popcorn Day. But um, with this International um, um, Financial Independence Aware, oh, okay, International Financial Independence Awareness Day is also April 25th. And um, where, where some, if somebody was trying to, I guess, uh, strengthen their knowledge on financial literacy. What is a good a good place uh, that you would point them uh, point them to, uh, Nancy? Well, there's so many resources now, Java. And the first thing I would say to somebody is, don't just throw up your hands. 
um, try to learn about some things. And really, any business, and in particular financial business, is all about those terms. So if you learn about those terms and then expand beyond there. When our libraries open back up, go back to the library and find some books. Find a book on mutual funds. There's an old book by uh, John Bogle on mutual funds that's still really good. And for many people, those are the securities that you'll see in your 401k. So learn what those things are. Also find a book on exchange traded funds, ETFs, because those are the up and coming pooled funds that you need to learn about. Uh, go online, invest a if you, that's a good way to get started with some terms and just to get a little bite about what something is. Go on Twitter, follow some of those people on Twitter. One of my favorites to follow on Twitter is Liz Ann Saunders. She is an economist with Schwab, puts out great graphs. So, okay, if you don't want to read a lot, a picture is worth a thousand words and you can learn a lot that way. So, so many resources just get started. Now, what uh, what is it that you think uh, about finance that kind of makes people eyes glaze over? Because, I mean, everybody who is, uh, I, I guess, say about something knows that, you know, you need money to, to function in the world just generally. But um, to be even better at your money would be the best thing. So why is it when people start talking money or talking finance it's just it's for some it's just a really it's a turnoff but they need money to function well i think a lot of people just think oh it's math and when I taught finance courses, students would be terrified when they came into the classroom because they just thought, oh, it's math. But financial math is really pretty simple. And if you learn how to use a financial calculator, boy, is it really simple to do. So we need to get past that and understand, as you say, Everybody has money issues. Everybody has to learn to navigate the financial world, deal with money, uh, pay your bills. Now we're saving for retirement. And the more you can learn about that and learn how to do it and do it well, then that's the way you build wealth. How much of it do you think it starts, I guess, when you're you're young, being exposed to uh, to money and, and I guess it's different situations more than just I have a dollar. Let's go spend the dollar. But, you know, different situations with with that money being young. Yeah, certainly your family's attitude and the way they modeled behavior about money affects you from the time you come into this world. You see all of that. And, you know, some people are fortunate that they are in a family that is modeling saving and beyond that modeling how to invest. I got the saving part, but my family never really understood about investing. So I had to learn that later. And some families, um, I hear people talk about, oh, in my family, they just spent everything, had lots of debt. That doesn't mean you have to follow that same pattern, but you're going to have to work harder to get out of that pattern and to learn more. And you're going to have to be more conscious about doing that. Yeah, because you often see, um, I guess, in the uh, areas where people are not as financially literate, uh, those predatory uh, places who play on people who are not as knowledgeable about finance and they can easily get taken advantage of where you don't see those predators in certain other places because people know that, 
you're a predator. You know, you have to know the signs to look for. Um, Ryder, what what are some of your tips about being um, more financially literate? I know you and Nancy um, even uh, wrote a book, uh, Piggy Planet, Prudent <laughs> Investors uh, Get Going Young, what we we're just talking about. <laughs> Yes. So, I mean, a couple of things. This radio show here, we encourage anybody who has questions to call in. You know, I was thinking one of the things that, you know, you're saying about the impressions you get about money from a young age. You know, a lot of times to folks, money can seem to be a barrier. You know, you don't have enough money to do this. You don't have enough money to do this. And and that can be really discouraging and kind of just turn people off from exploring further. I think that might be an issue and certainly an issue when folks are growing up and see it as a barrier. Um, but you know, our, this, this radio show, I mean, a lot of the guests we have, uh, are also fantastic resources themselves. Um, you know, we had the extension service on, I know in the past we have had, uh, folks from the Mississippi council on economic Indi- uh, education. We're always big on that. They are promoting, uh, economic education and investing education in schools they're training teachers. Uh, they're doing a great job there. Um, I am somewhat a collector of personal finance books, and I have strong opinions about them. Um, <laughs> and one I just just got in the mail yesterday uh, is called Get Good With Money by Tiffany Alishe, A-L-I-C-H-E. It's um, just came out. Uh, I've already torn through quite a lot of it, but uh, Tiffany, I follow her on Twitter, and she's just a very positive uh, influence, a very positive, non-judgmental sort of finance guru of sorts, uh, up-and-coming finance guru, maybe. I'm not quite sure how 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 big her following is compared to some of the more well-known ones, um, but that uh, it's a fantastic resource. It covers very comprehensively how to look at your financial life, and one thing that's very important that is I've seen entering into finance books more recently is is talking about. And this goes back to, you know, what did you learn about money when you were a child? Talking about your experiences with money and your mindset about money because, you know, your mindset about money and your kind of pre-held beliefs about money really influence in a very strong way what you're doing with your money. And so, you know, we can give you the best advice, but if, if you if you have a bad attitude about it, um, if you don't believe you can actually do it, then it's it's not going to happen for you. And so, um, and so that kind of the, the mental exercise of dealing with your money uh, is very big and important. And, and she and she focuses on that from the get go. Those are some. That's some very good um, advice, and we'll be uh, putting some links up on with the podcast of this um, this particular show uh, to some of the things that Nancy and Ryder were talking about, especially some of the books uh, and the websites. And to I guess to uh, toot our horn here at MPB, the good thing about Money Talks is each show um, generally focuses around a specific topic. So if you think you may know about saving, but like Nancy, you know, you want to go 
go into investment, we have an investment uh, podcast. Or if you want to uh, vice versa, you know about investing, but your uh, savings needs to be stronger. So, Or if you want to talk about taxes, we have a particular show about that. And that's at moneytalks.mpbonline.org. If you have any questions, uh, Dr. Nancy Lottridge Anderson, Ryder Taft, are sitting here ready to help you with your financial literacy. <laughs> or you can also um, send us an email if you don't want to give us a call. Send us an email, money at mpbonline.org. It's an open topic day. We've got different odds and ends to tell you about between your calls and emails uh, coming up. April 6th is today, but are your taxes filed? We've got some information to help you out with that next This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. to Money Talks, our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org is one way to hear past shows. Um, you can also download the MPB public media app. You can listen on your phone or your Android uh, on demand. I love that. It's MPB on your time. I'm Java Chapman this morning, along with Dr. Nancy Lodrich Anderson, president of New Perspectives and writer Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. And um, I don't know if you follow the IRS on Twitter. I think Liz may be the only person I know who does that because <laughs> I only want to see the IRS once or twice. Uh, what? Well, yeah, I guess two times. I want to file and then I want to get my refund, and then IRS can go away for the rest of the time. But the Twitter um, account at IRS News is the official account for the Internal Revenue Service, and if you just follow their posts, um, you can get some pretty good tips and reminders about filing your income taxes. Um, if you did not know that the tax day for individuals is extended to May 17th. So May 17th, um, 2021 is tax day for federal and Mississippi state income tax. So just that one little tip can probably help somebody who is trying to work hard for the April uh, deadline. But no, it's May 17th, uh, 2021. But let's talk about some of these um, tax tweets uh, from the IRS. Let's see. They talked about May 17th um, being the deadline instead of April 15th. But uh, you can now view your economic impact payment accounts um, 
if any, within our your online account. So if you go to www.irs.gov slash accounts, um, you'll be able to see your economic impact payment amounts uh, direct from there. Also, I don't, this is a pit bull with a princess crown and a uh, tutu. And it says she may be your princess, but she is not your dependent. Oh, you can't claim your dog as a dependent as much as I take lady to the vet and feed. Okay. Uh, no, the IRS rules for children's independence um, is what this tweet is about. And um, uh, IRS.gov slash ITA if you need to know that your pet can't be your dependent. I'm sad about that. I'm, I don't. I don't think I was writing it off. I'm gonna say that again. I don't think I was writing off pet food. Um, but Nancy, um, what's a um, uh, do you do you have these text tweets? Do you have do you have a, a text tweet or text tip you want to share this morning? Well, the big one that they're pushing uh, is their app. So the IRS has an app called IRS to Go, where you can track things. And certainly, a lot of people who are getting refunds, you want to know when that's being processed and when that money is going to come to you. So uh, try using that app, and you can also get some other information from them probably through the app. So we try not to jump on the IRS too much, Java. Um, <laughs> you have to face it, you know. Filing those taxes and any kind of information tips that we can get to help us along the way. And certainly, if you're a CPA or anybody who prepares taxes for someone else, um, it's a good site to go to and uh, learn what's going on because last year was really crazy for uh, filing taxes. Well, yeah, my I have a, um, a aunt who's a, a CPA and she works for the IRS and I, I I kid with her all the time. But um, yeah, I still don't want to see the IRS except for twice. I want to file and I want to get my refund and then say until next year. <laughs> uh, Ryder, do you did you did you have one of these famous uh, um, uh, tweets from the IRS, which are pretty good? I may I may start following them just to uh, put some color on my on my Twitter feed because they are they have some nice graphics and just some quick tips. I don't think they hound you. They just you know let you know things like May seventeenth is the new the new tax deadline. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so they have a lot of good uh, tips and reminders. I think a, a group of the best ones um, are about the resources available for folks filing taxes. Filing taxes, nobody likes to do it, um, but and and you know there are a lot of companies out there willing to uh, you know TurboTax. You know, for instance, H um, and R Block will, will do it for you. They have some software, and you have to kind of go through that. But uh, always keep in mind if you make less. Than than seventy-two thousand uh, dollars, there are free file programs um, that you know all of these uh, folks who provide uh, these tax you know tax software. They are required to provide a totally free version for you if you make less than seventy-two thousand. They always try to upsell you. They got into a lot of trouble a couple of years ago for for dangerously misleading people and overcharging. Um, but they've gotten a little bit better about it. Make sure it is called IRS free file the version that you are in 
Um, that's very important. Uh, there's a lot of uh, volunteer tax assistance. They call them VITA, V-I-T-A. Uh, I know in Jackson, in Mississippi, this is done through, I know the United Way uh, does some of this. Um, just helping folks file their taxes, because again, you don't have to go to these, uh, you know, fly-by-night, you know, strip mall uh, tax preparation centers. And if you don't have a very complicated tax situation, you know, you may not merit going to a full-blown CPA firm. There's probably some in-between level that you can get at no or very low cost, uh, get your taxes done. Um, and of course, reminders about protecting yourself from fraud, identity theft, because uh, there's always, always going to be some tax-related scams, tax time scams. Um, just just watch yourself there. Yeah, and I think that's kind of uh, jumps back to that uh, literacy thing about financial literacy where um, people will, you know, the predators will be out and they will uh, uh, specifically target uh, certain people, certain groups of people, because they know that that literacy, um, that financial literacy is not there. So if you um, not want to <laughs> come down on the Statue of Liberty people uh, twirling the signs around this time of year, <laughs> but you have to you have to be wary because, you know, where are they throughout the rest of the year? And you're going to give them all of this important right. financial information, but, you know, they're only seen for a couple months. And um and and to your point, uh, Ryder, if you only if what's it seventy two thousand? Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. If you make under seventy two uh, at seventy two thousand, under seventy two thousand, um, you can file uh, file for free hey, because I what I forget who it is. Uh, one of the big box <laughs> tax people have those commercials where it's just free. It's free, free, free. That's all they say is free, 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 free. But I'm like, how free can it be if I see this commercial every couple minutes on my yeah, TV screen? Yeah, you gotta you gotta <laughs> watch out for what are they trying to bump you up to yeah the upsell must be really 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 big um it's an open topic show you hear um a writer taff uh dr nancy lightridge anderson we're just you know giving you some a uh, few tips and uh tricks as tax season is upon us but we do want to hear from you email us your questions uh money at mpbonline.org now we're talking about some of these irs tweets and one that stands out to me is for all of the educators out there it um, says that educators can now deduct expenses for COVID-19 uh, protective items for the classroom. So uh, oftentimes teachers will be spending their own money um, for, for school supplies and these uh, this past year, you can add COVID nineteen protective items on top of that, and uh, you can um, deduct those expenses. And for more information on that, that's irs.gov/education. So irs.gov/education, or if you just need some more um, tax tips, irs.gov/slash tax tips. Now, I know um, in the Jackson Metro area that United Way um, uh, will do those free filings. I believe it's at the Jackson Medical Mall um, often. So if you are looking for those and you're in the Jackson Metro area, um, keep a lookout for those for those services. We're taking your questions on any money subject.
subject today. Also, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, what to buy or what not to buy in April. I'm all about a good deal, so let's see what is on sale in April. That's coming up next. This is Money Talks right here on MPB Think Radio. Relatively Speaking is a show that explores issues that relate to you and your family. To find out what we're all about, subscribe to the podcast by using any podcast app or by downloading our MPB public media app. Hey there, it's David Green. You know, there comes a time when you've just got to let go of that old vehicle. Maybe it has lots of great memories, but it's also maybe just taking up space. And selling it can be such a hassle. So here's one thought. Let this station take that vehicle off your hands. Proceeds from the sale benefit this station, and you could get a tax break. Thanks. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. Money Talks is MPB Thinks Radio's personal finance broadcast, and I'm Java Chapman filling in for Kevin Farrell this morning, here along with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Both Nancy and Ryder are chartered financial analysts, and Ryder also holds a certificate in investment performance measurement from the CFA Institute. Now, Ryder, you got to tell me why you get an extra with the certificate in investment performance measurement. What does that mean you can do? Uh, it is so. I, I like to describe the, uh, the CFA curriculum, uh, the Chartered Financial Analyst curriculum, as a very kind of deep dive, very specific kind of master's level in not just finance but in investment management. Uh, so very specific. Uh, the CIPM goes a little more specific than that, and it goes into how to measure the performance of those investments um, because, you know, there are at just surprisingly many and different confusing ways to measure performance. Uh, so kind of that's what it focuses on. But as far as just looking at extra letters, you know, Nancy's got a PhD, so that's, you know, kind of a high, <laughs> higher and higher and deeper level than than anything else uh, that I've got, certainly. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I guess we can we can both us well we can all assume that uh, both you and Nancy are um, high level um, financially um, knowledgeable uh, when it comes to these things. But do you? I guess let me let me ask this question: With all of that financial knowledge, do you sometimes make a purchase and then say? I don't think that was smart. I may have got duped. 
Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, knowing uh, knowing in a very deep and intimate way how to measure the performance and how to understand the performance of a mutual fund, uh, you know, has, has has nothing to do with uh, what might be an impulse purchase of of mine, you know, or something that, you know, I you know, I, even even times when you know I'll carefully research a purchase and I'll feel really good about it and I'll make it, and then the next day I'll see the same thing for cheaper elsewhere you know it's it it still happens um but you know this is obviously much more related to the investment side but i do think i do think um the kind of deep deep intimate knowledge that nancy and i have about investments um uh and and just kind of our practice and how we work with clients it does it 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 is it is meaningful. Um, that that level of knowledge does kind of help. That level of um, kind of thoroughness that the CFA Institute, that the CFA curriculum encourages, um, the level of rigor, you know, just the care of, of how you how you approach the situation. That that does uh, follow you uh, into other areas. Well, I do want to thank. Um, I, I can't really tell who sent in this uh, question, but I really want to thank them because this is an open topic show. But we got an email sent to our email address, which is money at mpbonline.org. And this email reads, I am getting ready to sell some real estate and am wondering where to park, air quotes, park the proceeds of about $350,000 for a while. Any ideas? I'm 68 and don't want to invest in anything risky. Uh, Nancy, what's, what, what is, is your first uh, thought when you hear uh, this email? Well, I think there's a key phrase in there. This person said, for a while. Well, I need to have a little more information. Uh, what do you mean for a while? Do you mean six months? Do you mean a year? Do you mean 10 years? Because that is going to determine what you can invest in. So for this person talking about for a while, if they're thinking maybe they're going to turn around and invest in some more real estate later, maybe when things calm down or are not as frothy, which is what I've heard for, from some folks, then they probably would not be in stocks or even bonds. They would probably just go down to the bank, maybe have some laddered CDs, and just wait for other opportunities in the real estate area. Um, but if you have a longer term, if that for a while is you know, three, five, 10 years, then yes, I would encourage them to look at investing in a balanced portfolio containing both stocks and bonds. And those stocks paying dividends will be great inflation hedges. So again, it depends on what that for a while means. And that has to be put together with what this person talked about. Oh my goodness, I can't take the risk. Um, I've heard that from a lot of people who say, I need to keep my money perfectly safe. And as you begin to talk to them, you realize they don't really mean let's park it at the bank, um, but they have to take some measured risk along the way. So I guess it kind of with that for a while jumped out at you because it kind of indicate, or I guess be more to be more clarified uh, as an indicator of uh, how 
when do you want to keep or how liquid do you want to keep this money do you want to yeah put it away for a you like you said a while how long does a while mean when you guys are talking with um uh, potential um investors or you know your clients um how important is that a while when you are steering them in a particular direction it's huge and you always want to make sure um, to match your goals to the length of term on the investments. So I, I run into people sometime who think, well, I, I'm going to buy a house in a year, and here's some money, and let's put it in the stock market. No, no, <laughs> the stock is for longer-term investing. Um so we got to make sure we match that. And if you're talking with somebody who's in their 40s and this is money for retirement, that's long-term money. I, I don't need to be, as I say, all hugged up against the tree trunk. I need to get them to stretch out a little bit more, take on a little more risk, because those stocks will generate higher returns if I have a longer period of time. So it's about matching what your goals are, what are you going to spend that money on with the type of investment. So if it's a short-term thing that's going to happen in a very short period of time, buying a new car, uh, you've got an 18-year-old getting ready to go to college next year, uh, you're going to buy a house within a year, that needs to be short-term investments. And Ryder, markets. Ryder what, I, what, I, what I look at... Um uh, thank, thank you for that, Nancy. But Ryder, what I look at when I see this email, uh, the last line, I'm 68 and don't want to invest in anything risky. When, when I guess, if to clarify, what would be a risky investment and what would be uh, a safe, a safe investment? Sure, and that's and that's an issue we encounter too. Sometimes I mean, you, you hear us uh, talk to folks on this show about what is what is risky and what is not. Um, people's idea of risk is is all very different. I mean, I've I've spoken to folks who, you know, I looked at their portfolio and it was one hundred percent, you know, U.S. stocks, and he said, "Yeah, I want to. My portfolio is not risky. You know, it's all U.S. stocks. I mean, those are good, right?" Um, it's like, well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Sure. I mean, there's lots of great companies and there's lots of great stocks, but you know, as far as risk goes, yeah, an all equity portfolio, they didn't necessarily have the most volatile segments of the equity market, but that was a risky portfolio. Usually, we define risk as the volatility. You know, how much can those returns vary? You know, so when we talk about stocks, you know, historically, you know, say say historically, you know, we've got an index of stocks that's returned eight percent a year. Well, the variance in that might be, you know, some some years it's returned twenty percent, some years it's returned negative ten percent, um, but over the long term, it creates this average of eight percent. It's never going to hit eight percent in any given year. You know, that might happen every now and then, but it's going to be all over the place, and so what Nancy was saying about Oh, someone says they're going to need this money back in a year. Well, sure, you have a chance of getting 8%. You have a chance of getting 20%. But you also have a chance of losing 20% of your money. And, and, and it's that risk that we want to avoid. Um, you know, this guy mentioned he's 68. Uh, it's not necessarily an age-based thing. Uh, some 68-year-olds have money that they will never need. Some 68-year-olds are living out of all of their money and will need all of their money. And those, and those 
uh, that ability to take risk, um, you know, is kind of driven by your future needs, your future needs out of your money. Um, and, and the ability to take risk also varies widely between people. So it, we would have a whole lot more questions for this person than, than what has been revealed um, in just this email. Yeah, because I can imagine a situation or, you know, maybe this has even happened where you guys have pointed a person into a client into a certain uh, direction. Maybe it was for a long, long term. And then after a certain length of time, they turn around and say, I want to pull my money back. <laughs> and it's like if you would explain the things, some, a couple of things uh, ahead of time, we would have went in a different direction. Exactly. Now, we've been talking April tax tips. We've um, actually been talking about some different forms of investing. Um, we have a, a personal finance question on the line that we'll get to after the break. But we're also going to talk about uh, some of these April buys. Uh, should you get a mattress right now? I don't know. How bad is your mattress you're sleeping on now? <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about that and more. We'll be wrapping up the show in our next segment. So make sure you do stay tuned. This is Money Talks on MPB. Think right. from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman in for Kevin Farrell this morning, along with Dr. Nancy Lightridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Now, remember, every Tuesday at 10 a.m., you can listen live to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio, which is coming up next. But let's go to our phone call this morning, our lone phone call. Don't make it our only phone call. <laughs> let's talk with uh, Charles in Jackson. We really appreciate you uh, calling in this morning. What's your question? Good morning. Uh, this is really not about personal finance, but Nathan, I have a question for you regarding the stock market. You know, the, theoretically, stock prices are a multiple of earnings per share. <clears throat> and some of the major, I guess, two of the major components in determining bottom line, what three, would be revenue for one. Then you have expenses, and I guess two major areas of expenses would be uh, personnel costs and uh, the cost of good cost. Given that the, the stock market, then you know, that's sort of bottom line. That bottom line number is what people look at over time to say a company isn't you know, strong or they're weak, and that it impacts indirectly, I guess. 
their market their, the market price of the stock. <clears throat> so, what's your thoughts about the market, the stock market, and and, and its impact on this con- this country's policy regarding minimum wage? Given that minimum wage or even the wage cost, whether it's minimum wage or however one decides how to put bottoms on the dollar amount that people are paid, what's your thought about how the, what the stock market impact is on this country's policy regarding minimum wage or how people are paid? And that's I mean I will listen. Okay, thanks for the question, and uh, you had a lot of good thoughts there. And yes, the the value of any company, the share price, should be related to what that company can earn and produce in the future. Um, and you talk about these multiples. We have price to earnings, price to sales, price to book value. We track all of that. But when it comes to our expenses, for most companies, one of their biggest expenses, as you mentioned, is the cost of labor. And you have to go back and look at, for that company, will the cost of labor go up if we raise the minimum wage? And so you're getting into a lot of complex issues. Is this a company that has a lot of lower-end employees so that if that wage is raised, that immediately affects their bottom line, which would decrease their earnings? Um, Is this a company that will be affected indirectly because if those minimum wage earners are raised up, are we gonna have to raise up the higher tiers? We're not sure. And then the other thing that we have to add into all of this, if those minimum wage earners have more money in their pocket, will they turn around and spend that and which companies will benefit from all of that? So it's really a complex topic. We've been trying to look at all the data and to really see what would be the impact If you listen to our show on the minimum wage, what we found is that there's really a very low percentage of this country right now, as far as our labor force, who is in that minimum wage category. So that kind of leaves me with this notion that maybe raising that won't be as big of an impact as some have suggested, but we're still looking at it. We appreciate your um, uh, uh, call and your question this morning, Charles. Um, we, that was a, I just say, high level uh, financial financial talk. But it's so funny how those you know high level um, uh, conversations really affect day to day working people so 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 much. So we really appreciate you um, uh, joining our our show this morning, Charles. And uh, let's go on to uh, another call from. Uh, uh, Ted in Biloxi. Um, Ted, good morning. Uh, hey, go ahead with your question. Hello. Yes, sir. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm, I am over sixty-five and I'm still working and I plan on working a while. But I heard somebody say that you can collect um, Social Security even uh, if you're still working if you're over sixty-five. And I'm just wondering what the downside of that is. It would be nice to have more money coming in, but I, I don't want to hurt, you know, the later years. Um, well, if you reach your full retirement age, and if you're 65, I think your full retirement age is 66. So once you reach that full retirement age, whatever that happens to be for you personally, depending on your birth date, then you can earn as much money as you want to and still collect your full Social Security benefits. 
But if you collect Social Security before you reach that magic age, then your earnings outside of that can cause those benefits to be reduced. So you're probably pretty close. Call your Social Security office, find out when your full retirement age is, I think 66, and um, and then if you just wait maybe a year or part of a year, then you go, can go ahead and collect benefits and not worry about it affecting your income. No, I'm, I am actually 67. Um, my wife is a little younger. Um, but I was just uh, heard that over 65. But so, so it's not exactly 65. It depends on your birthday when yes. you can do yes. that, right? Okay. Yes. So but if it you're doesn't 60, impact. It, it wouldn't impact what you collect later, or how much money you're going to get yeah. total eventually, uh, whatever. What it okay. what it will do if you're, if you're 67, you can go ahead and collect, and it not affect your your income or hurt your benefits. What could happen if you're still working and still paying into the system, it can actually cause your benefits to go up because you're paying more in. Cool. I would point out the one thing you do lose out on at any any time when you claim you uh, the your your benefit. When you don't claim, your benefit increases every month, uh, just on its own, regardless of if you're working, just as a kind of a percentage amount. Um, so right. the, when you claim, you're locking that in. Of course, as Nancy said, your income can continue to add to it, but it's not going to just grow on its own anymore. That's the, okay. that's the only real trade-off you have at that point. Up until age 70. At age 70, you don't get the advantage of the growth. So, um, looking at that, then the, the, what you just said does that does that make it worth doing uh, generally, or or you know uh, how you would figure out uh, you know if I'm winning or losing there? Oh, well, Ted, we really appreciate you um, uh, calling in with your question uh, this morning, which was a good one. I'm pretty sure you helped out some people. But if you need more answers, you can email money at mpbonline.org. Uh, that's all, folks. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio and is funded in part by the generous financial support of our listeners. Now, if you want to hear today's show or previous shows, visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to our podcast podcast just search for money talks today's show was produced by liz gill our call screener was lisa lancaster for dr nancy latridge anderson and writer taff i'm java chapman signing off make sure you join us every tuesday at 9 a.m for money talks right here on mpb think radio Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, committed to assisting businesses impaired by COVID-19. Trustmark is now providing small business loans through the Paycheck Protection Program. More information at Trustmark.com PPP. Member FDIC. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.